Tonight, please turn to 1 Samuel chapter 1, the book of 1 Samuel in chapter 1. And we are leading up to our missions conference, uh, which begins two weeks, two weeks from tonight, I believe. And uh, we're looking forward to Brother Jeff Lang being here with his family, also Brother Jeremiah Sargent being here as well. But as we typically do, uh, the week or the month before uh, missions conference, we have an emphasis on missions, and most of our teaching and preaching uh, is geared towards missions to get our hearts and our minds ready and prepared for what the Lord has for us in the conference. And then, of course, we culminate with uh, that missions conference, our, our giving for the year, and we start our new missions giving New Faith Promise Missions giving for the next year. And so we'll continue along that vein uh, here tonight. And of course, uh, Lord willing, we'll see what the Lord brings for us on Sunday. Actually, Sunday afternoon, Pastor Bradshaw will be preaching uh, for us. And I'm looking forward to that. I've last few years, Brother Bradshaw uh, and I have become friends. And uh, typically every... Um, in October at Brother McCandless's conference down there, we'll see each other, we'll play around the golf, I'll have to beat him, you know, when we play. Uh, one of these days he might get a chance to, to beat me, but I, I probably won't let that happen, so we'll just see. Although he's a nice guy about it, he's, he's a good loser, I just have to tell you that. So. <laughs> he let me use his clubs last year, the year before, and it was the one hole, I can't remember what hole it was, we were 125 yards out, pulled out his title, his pitching wedge, and I dunked it from 125 yards away, holed out. And we were hooting and hollering, and he sh shoots it up to the green. He's probably like 60 feet away from the, from the hole. He gets up there to putt, and it's like, there's no chance this is going in. And he basically closed his eyes and hit it. Yeah. And, <laughs> and sure, he wouldn't, you know, I'm, we had like, you know, a good amount of time to watch that ball roll. It was that far away, and the closer it got, the more in line it was, and it was like, no way, that's not possible. And sure enough, boom, he dropped that putt from 60-plus feet away, and we were hooting and hollering again, and probably lost our testimony, I'm not sure, out on the golf course, but it was a good time, and I said all that to, I have no idea why I said that. <laughs> yes, that was a rabbit I chased, but uh, good friends is what I'm, getting at and appreciate good men in the Lord and he'll be preaching for us uh, Sunday afternoon and we'll be looking forward to that. But First Samuel chapter 1 with me here please. I'm going to read this entire chapter so you follow along as I read. It'll be a familiar one to you uh, but we're going to make some applications out of this portion of scripture tonight and the title of the message is Faith in God's Plan. Faith in God's plan, and we'll make some applications towards missions uh, as we get to the end of this portion of Scripture. But you follow along as I read. Now there was a certain man of Ramoth uh, Izophim of Mount Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jehoram, Jehoam, excuse me, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuph, and Ephrathite. And he had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other Peninnah. And Peninnah had children, but Hannah had no children. And this man went up out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. 
And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Peninnah his wife and to all her sons and her daughters portions. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut up her womb. Uh, that word worthy uh, is, is the Greek word for, fi- or the Hebrew word for face, actually, and it means the best. And you kind of get the idea here. He saved the best portion, gave it to her because he loved her. Uh, And the Bible says, but the Lord had shut up her womb. And her adversary also provoked her sore for to make her fret because the Lord had shut up her womb. And as as he did so year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her. Therefore, she wept and did not eat. Then said Elkanah, her husband, to her, Hannah, why weepest thou, and why eatest thou not? And why is thy heart grieved? Am not I better to thee than ten sons? So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh, and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by a post of the temple of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul, and prayed unto the Lord, and wept sore. And she vowed a vow. And said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid, and remember me, and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. And it came to pass, as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli marked her mouth. Now Hannah, she spake in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard, Therefore Eli thought she had been drunken. And Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, No, my lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Count not thine handmaid for a daughter of Belial, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace. And the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And she said, Let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. And they rose up in the morning early and worshipped before the Lord, and returned and came to their house to Ramah. And Elkanah knew his wife, and the Lord remembered her. Wherefore it came to pass, when the time was come about after Hannah had conceived that she bare a son, And called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. And the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer unto the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. But Hannah went not up, for she said unto her husband, I will not go up until the child be weaned, and then I will bring him, that he may appear before the Lord, and there abide forever. And Elkanah, her husband, said unto her, Do what seemeth thee good. Tarry until thou have weaned him, only the Lord establish his word. So the woman abode and gave her son suck until she weaned him. And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with three bullocks and one ephah of flour and a bottle of wine and brought him unto the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young and they slew a bullock and brought the child to Eli. And she said, O my Lord, as thy soul liveth, my Lord, I am the woman that stood by thee here praying unto the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore, 
Also, I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord. And he worshipped the Lord there. This account can be pretty heart-stirring in one sense. uh, But what we really see out of this heart-stirring account is an account of faith in God and God's faithfulness in return. And here we find the story of Hannah and the child who would become the man Samuel, the spiritual priest judge over Israel uh, at a time that was very tempestuous in a transitional time in the nation of Israel's history. Samuel was a man who was a key figure in the formation of Israel's united kingdom. He was a key figure in the selection and coronation of two of Israel's most prominent kings, most celebrated kings, Saul and David. Samuel was a man who was truly used of God. But, but before all of that, before all of the importance and the role that Samuel played in the nation of Israel, all of that began with the story of a heartbroken wife, a childless woman, a woman who desperately wanted a baby. And this account teaches us some valuable spiritual lessons Lessons regarding faith in God and God's faithfulness in return. And we'll make some applications towards missions here after a little bit. But let me just walk through this passage of Scripture and look at Hannah's life and make some applications for that along the way as well. First of all, I want you to see with me here tonight Hannah's heart. Hannah's heart. Verses 1 through 7 describe for us Hannah's heart. The Bible tells us uh, down in... in, uh, Verse 4 and verse 5, that Elkanah offered and gave portions to his wife Peninnah. Verse 5, he gave the best one uh, to Hannah because he loved her uh, more. But the Bible tells us that the Lord had shut up her womb. In verse 6, her adversary provoked her because she couldn't have children because the Lord had shut up her womb. womb. The Bible says it again, that it was the Lord's doing. The Lord was the one who was behind it. In verse 7, we find that as he did so year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her. Therefore, she wept and did not eat. What we find here is Hannah's heart. Uh, Hannah was a woman who desired a child. You know what? Let me just say it's very natural for a wife to desire to be a mother. That is not an unnatural thing at all. It is a normal thing that is put into us or into a woman by God. Uh, But sadly, our culture has gone a long way to perverting a thing that God says is good. Our culture perverts what's natural so that any semblance of natural affection is lost. I was just reading today, this is just a side note, but I was just reading today what's happening in, in schools across America, and they're trying to do it in Alaska right now, regarding uh, um, what they call comprehensive sexual education for children in schools, starting as young as kindergarten through two years old. And I saw this list of what is required or going to be required uh, for certain age groups or, or grades. From kindergarten to, to second grade, there's, there's these things that have to be understood and de- defined about, about human sexuality. 
and then from third grade on up to like fifth grade, it escalates. And now it's not just about human sexuality, now it's about defining genders. Males and females certainly, but transgender and, and binary and every other kind of thing that you can imagine. And it just progressed worse and worse all the way up. This is all, all, all uh, uh, um, grade school up into middle school, and it was just disgusting uh, what you read. Uh, no short of, of, of child abuse, friends. And this is what our government and local governments are trying to force on, on, on American people. And, 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 and listen, this is just a side note as well. My opinion, you should never, ever, ever, ever send your children to a public school. I'll say it again. You should never send your children to a public school. Not if you care about their soul. If you care about their life. It's horrible. And I said that to simply say that the culture perverts what's natural. And the Bible says, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. In fact, if you read in 2 Timothy chapter 3, the Bible talks about in the last days, perilous times will come. Men will be lovers of their own selves, and they'll be boasters and proud and, and heady and high-minded. And, and, and the Bible says they'll be without natural affection. It's a sign of the times. Romans chapter 1 describes the downward spiral of human society. In Romans 1, 26, the Bible says, For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meat. It's worthy, it's, it's fit, uh, for, for they reap what they sow. That's what our culture does. The whole idea of the, quote, nuclear family in the world's eyes is, is, is gross. They want to completely do away with it. Right. Well, I said all of that simply to say there was nothing wrong with Hannah's desire it was a natural desire. But at the time of the account, Hannah was not really dealing very well with her situation, and she wasn't dealing very well with what obviously was God's will for her at the time. Because the Bible says that the Lord shut her womb two times in those verses. The application that we can make from this here is, is pretty simple. But I think oftentimes we struggle with life circumstances as well. And we don't deal well with particular life circumstances that come our way that are obviously part of what God has for us in that moment, in that period of time. And yeah, we do struggle. And that is true. But there is a way to be able to handle and deal with difficult life circumstances that we face and deal well with it. But it takes a surrendered heart. A surrendered heart to the will of God, whatever that is, is always the best and blessed default position to be in as a child of God. 
I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring, but I do know this. God is always good. I know His character, that He's always right. And the trial and the tribulation and the hardship that I may face tomorrow is not something that is, that is foreign to God, and God isn't wringing His hands and saying, oh, what am I going to do about this? No, I can have confidence in the fact that God is always good, even in the hard things. That's the best position. I know his character. Therefore, this hard trial isn't something that has to be something that completely upends my life, my mood, my spirit, my responses, etc. Look with me in Matthew chapter 26. Keep your place here. Matthew chapter 26. See verse 39. The Bible says, And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Look down to verse 42. And he went away again the second time and prayed, saying, O my Father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. Jesus was the perfect example of a surrendered heart, even in the midst of hard trial. Jesus said, if there's any other way for people to be saved, Lord, can we do that? Father, can we do that? Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. There was only one way for sin to be forgiven. He was surrendered. And listen, we may not enjoy the moment, but our confidence in the goodwill of God and His plan should never falter. Let me say it again. We might not enjoy those hard moments, but our confidence in God and His goodwill and His character should not be something that ever falters. You remember Job? We mentioned him on Sunday. How Job, in the midst of his trial, said, Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. He said, He knoweth the way that I take. And when he's tried me, I shall come forth as gold. In the middle of it all, Job's confidence in God's character didn't wane. What is God's will for us in life situations over which we are burdened or broken? Because that happens. Well, we may not know exactly what God's will is now in the immediate, but a continual, surrendered, yielded heart to whatever God has is always the best position for a child of God to be in. In Hannah's case, the Lord was the one who was behind the fact that she could not have children. And the Bible tells us that she at least initially, wasn't handling it very well. She was provoked sore. She, the Bible says that she didn't eat and she wept and all of those things. You see her heart. It's clear, though, from this scripture that Hannah's infertility was ordained of God. However, God had a divine purpose in doing all of that. Hannah at the time didn't understand exactly what that was, 
But God had a greater plan by which he would place it in Hannah's heart to give that firstborn son back to him. And God would then use this boy who would become a man to to affect the nation of Israel in a most powerful way. God knew all of that from the very beginning. And all things would work together for good to those who would love God. And that principle remains true for us today. We see Hannah's heart, but let me secondly point out Hannah's help. Look back in our text at verses 9 through 11. Hannah's help. The Bible says in verse 9, So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh, and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by a post of the temple of the Lord, and she was in bitterness of soul, and prayed unto the Lord, and wept sore. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life and there shall no razor come upon his head. Notice what the Bible says here, that in her bitterness of soul that she prayed unto the Lord. This lady's example moves from being a burden to a blessing when she demonstrates that her focus is now being turned off the circumstance and back toward the Lord. The focus of her faith was Godward. She said, she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life. Here's a, a moment of surrender for Hannah. Hannah knew the only help that she could expect was from the Lord. And so she invested herself by faith in prayer. She prayed unto the Lord. Notice her prayer was a desperate prayer. In verse 10, the Bible says she was in bitterness of soul. Her grief caused her to even lose her appetite for food. We read that in verse, verses 6 and 7. Her prayer was a desperate prayer, but, but her prayer we find in verse 11 was, an, was a very deliberate prayer. In verse 11, she said, asking the Lord to remember her and look on her affliction and not forget her. And if the Lord would, would do this, if the Lord would give her a child, then she in turn would give him back to the Lord all the days of his life. Hannah went so far as to make a promise to God that if the Lord would remember her, he, that she would give him back in service if he gave her a son all the days of his life. Now, let me make this application. What's notable about this is that not only did Hannah turn to the Lord, but Hannah actually believed and had confidence that the Lord was going to hear and answer her prayer. The Lord would hear and answer her prayer. How do we know this? How do we get that idea? Because if you skip down to verse 18, the Bible tells us, and she said, Let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. Why did she not eat? 
Why was her countenance sad to begin with? Because of her situation. But then when her focus was turned to God and her eye and her faith was Godward, it completely changed her spirit. It completely changed her attitude. And the Bible says her countenance was no more sad. Had she had a son yet? Nope. But she believed that God would hear and she believed that God would answer. She had confidence in the Lord. She turned to the right source for help, is what I'm saying. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 10 says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. From whence cometh my help? The psalm says, My help comes from the Lord. Amen? Let's look at a couple psalms. Psalm 62 Psalm 62, in verse 7, the Bible says, In God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust in Him at all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. Selah. How many times do we fail to remember these principles in our just our daily living? You know, I've, I have found myself, uh, I don't like this, uh, but I have found myself, the older that I get, feeling more anxious or more anxiety inside about things that I never used to feel anxious about. Things that would be my personality type, which is like, oh, it'll be fine, it'll work out, don't worry about it, you know, no big deal. But the older I get, the more I find myself being feeling anxious inside about simple things. Like, I want that to happen. I need that to happen for, for even a pure motive, and it's just not happening. I get all anxious inside about it. And I fail to go to the Lord with it and to leave it with the Lord regularly, daily. We need these reminders. Psalm 142, turn over there. I don't like that about me. I want my hope and my confidence to be in the Lord. And, and like Proverbs said, that the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous run into it and are safe. Instead of worrying and fretting, I need to be running to the Lord. Psalm 142 and verse 4, the Bible says, I looked on my right hand and beheld... But there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. I cried unto thee, O Lord. I said, thou art my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. You know what? People are going to fail and people cannot help. Not like the Lord can. When our focus is all about Him, when I consider my life, to be His, then those trials that I feel anxious about, the ones that seem hard to deal with, I see them completely in a different context. When I, so, when I, when I know and I see that my life is the Lord's, that I'm in His hands and my focus is all about Him, and I know His character, man, it gives me a completely different context with which to view these trials. And they're not so hard when I know the Lord is the one who's going to handle them. Amen? Amen. He knows what's happening. 
So from whence cometh my help? It comes from the Lord. And we need that as a daily reminder. Look at Psalm 5, since we're in the Psalms here, and we'll move on. But Psalm 5 and verse 7 Psalm 5, 7 says, But as for me, I will come into thy house in the multitude of thy mercies, and in thy fear will I worship toward thy holy temple. Lead me, O Lord, in thy righteousness because of mine enemies. Make thy way straight before my face. This is the right heart attitude to have. Come into the house of the Lord in the multitude of his mercies. Worship the Lord, asking the Lord for leadership and guidance and the Lord's way to be made straight. Really, it's all about Him is the focus. And, 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 and this principle applies in a matter that I'll bring to your attention at the close here. But the last thing that I want you to notice in our text is Hannah's health. We saw her heart. We see her help. But then I want you to notice, lastly, her health. Look at verse 19 and 20. The Bible says they rose up in the morning and worshipped before the Lord and returned and came to their house in Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. Wherefore it came to pass, when the time was come about after Hannah had conceived, that she bare a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him, of the Lord. Now skip down to verse 27. She said, For this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. What a completely different frame of mind this woman was in. When her focus was on the Lord, the Lord answered her prayer. The ability to then turn around and keep her promise because the Lord kept His is very notable. God's response to Hannah's surrendered heart and her faith is what brought about Hannah's joy and Hannah's blessing. Now some people might say that it's sad that she may only have had her child for maybe the first two or three years of his life. In verse 24, the Bible tells us that when she had weaned him, that she took him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh, and the child was young. And so some people might say, well, it's pretty sad that she only had her child for such a short time. But in many ways, friends, Hannah did not even consider this child her own. He was a gift from God. Because I have asked him, of the Lord. And the Lord heard, and the Lord answered. And she kept her promise to the Lord, the vow that she had made, because the Lord kept His. And the principle that emerges here for us is, as God's people, when we receive something from His gracious hand, it is His to begin with, it is His to be used, and it's for His glory. Whether that subject is children or whether it's other resources of life that we have, all of it should be based in the fact that it's a gift from God and it's surrendered to Him. 
There's a striking similarity here, an example here for missions giving. We trust the Lord to provide for us. And we ought to yield back to Him what He gives for His use and for His service. Amen? Amen. All that we have is of the Lord anyway. Any ability that you have to work a job or run a business or make some money, that's from the Lord. He owns it all. And we ought to have that yielded, surrendered heart to trust Him to provide, but then yield what He gives back for His use and His service. I liked what Paul said to the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, where Paul talks about the gospel had come this far to you. But in trying to encourage, encourage the, the church in Corinth, he says, I don't want to pre- keep preaching the gospel where other men have already labored and the gospel has come to you. There's a whole world out there that needs the gospel. And he says to them, when your, uh, when your faith is increased, we'll be enlarged by you so that the gospel can go to the regions beyond you. And there was a direct connection there between the faith increase of the church at Corinth and the gospel's reach to be increased. And the same is true for us, friends. And here's where I want to pull all of this together. There is a heart here for missions. There is a heart here for giving. And I praise the Lord for that. But our faith should never, ever stop growing, even if our bank account doesn't keep being enlarged. Our faith should never stop growing. You know, we support at least 30 missionaries right now. Praise the Lord for that. When it comes to our missions dollars and missions giving, we've seen our giving skyrocket over the last few years, but then we've seen it taper and level off. That's not always bad and always wrong, but one thing should never happen. Even if our bank account levels off, our faith should not stop growing. There are times when people are involved, but not everybody's involved. Some aren't regularly giving to missions. You need to start it up. Or you need to pick it back up if you've stopped. The question for us should be, could we support more missionaries? Could we raise the support for the ones that we do have? Could we give love offerings to other missions-related projects, those that relate to our own evangelists? I'm going to share something with you in a little bit here. But what I'm saying is, and the principle that's emerging here for us, is that as God's people, we trust the Lord to provide. God gives of His gracious hand. All that we have then should be yielded back to Him for His use, for His glory. We ask the Lord to lay on our heart a number for missions giving in this year. And we want to do that by faith. Lord, what would you have me to give towards missions this year so the gospel can increase? 
the reach of it. And then I asked the Lord to provide that for me in this next year, and God blesses financially, or God provides and brings it in. I better, I better keep my promise to give it back to the Lord. That's what Hannah did. We need to pray. We need to promise. We need to participate in missions, but it all needs to be done in faith. Faith in God and watch God be faithful in return. Trust God to supply, then give it back to Him for His use and His glory. We'll keep talking about missions, principles, and aspects of it over the next couple of weeks leading into our missions conference, but the foundation of all needs to be in faith. Faith. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd use your word here tonight, the simple thoughts and reminders of where it all comes from. It comes from you to begin with, and a reminder of the, all that we have is a gift from you, but all that we have should be surrendered to you as well. If you would choose, Lord, it's yours. We look at the example of a lady like Hannah, who when she put her focus Godward, that her countenance changed, her faith in you was grounded and true, and Lord, you were faithful in return. And then we look at the end of that all, and we see the man Samuel, who was so instrumental and powerful in the nation of Israel. All of that you had planned from the beginning. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to uh, as well have that kind of surrender and that kind of faith. And Lord, I pray that you bless our missions program again this next year. Lord, we anticipate and look forward to our missions conference and a new year of giving and thankful for the fact that we met our promised amount that we promised last year. And Lord, I pray that you'd increase our faith and it would grow and Lord, the reach of the gospel would grow as well. In Jesus' name, amen.